Hello, friends. Welcome to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm your host, Nita Wilkinson. We all know that life is just plain hard sometimes. Join me each week as I talk to a girlfriend about their journey of overcoming and how it always leads back to Jesus. Welcome back to the In the Whisper podcast. Friends, it has been a minute since we have been together, and I'm excited to be back with you all after a longer hiatus than I expected. January was supposed to be a hiatus as I uh, replayed the four top podcasts of 2021. That was my intention. And then, like many of you have faced, our household met the fate of COVID in late January. So that slowed me down a little bit more than I intended. You did get to find out the fifth uh, biggest podcast that we had. I am excited to tell you and so humbled and thankful for the listens that you give this podcast. We have reached 3,000 downloads. I have been doing this for two and a half years, not as consistently as I'd like, so to be at 3,000 downloads is amazing, and I am so thankful that y'all just keep turning in to listen to what is going to be on the show. Today, I am writing solo, and I wanted to share my story with you, my story of extreme anxiety and depression that I never thought I'd face. So that's going to be our topic today as we restart after a little bit of a hiatus. So you know how you are just walking through your life day by day. You have good days, an occasional bad day, but really you're just living your life. Then one day you wake up and find that your story took a wrong turn overnight, leaving you a lost heroine in an unwanted narrative. That's where I found myself in the fall of 2018. I can tell you that a lot of this that I'm going to share with you comes from journaling that I did. I don't remember a lot of it. As time came on after I got better, you know, I found there were a lot of things I missed. But I did journal some of those days. And so those are the parts that I'm going to share with you. It was a sunny October morning, sun was shining bright, but my world was gray and it felt empty. This was the third day in a row that I started out waking up in a deep state of anxiety and my goodness, it was taking a toll on me. Before these three days, I really had only had a handful of anxiety attacks, but these These felt different and so much bigger than my past experiences. I was sitting on my bed that third morning, feeling a dark void just swirling all around me. I felt like it was trying to suffocate me. For the first time in my life, I understood why somebody might take their own life. Now, I am typically an optimist, an optimist to the point that sometimes it drives some people crazy. But in this moment, I felt this overwhelming hopelessness that I have never felt before. And I didn't know how to deal with it. I'm a pretty hopeful person. And this was not in my wheelhouse. Every single day was a struggle. In the midst of this madness, I felt fully and completely separated from God. I prayed, I petitioned, I worshiped. 
but it didn't bring down those walls that were between God and I. I didn't feel his presence, but there was a part of me early on that said, I am yours. I believe I am yours simply because you say so. And I was really hoping that these feeble attempts at worship would be enough. I was hardly ever sleeping, like hardly ever. If I got two hours a night, which was rare, that was a lot. And adding to all of this anxiety was just ringing in my ears. Now I always have ringing in my ears. I've had it for years. But during this season, it was so much worse. It took everything I had to get out of bed in the morning. Not because I was tired, although I was exhausted, but because it seemed like there was going to be no end to this insidious fear that was coiled around me so tight. I went to a writing conference and uh, it was I was so excited when I signed up and then all of this happened and I wasn't sure I was going to make it that I was going to be able to pull out of myself enough to go, I actually was able to go to the conference. And because I was able to go, and even though it was difficult and I struggled, I thought when I came home things would get better. Because I really, I feel like to this day that this was spiritual warfare. And I really thought when I got home that that would be the end of it. That was completely naive on my part because when I got home, This nightmare became bleaker and even more hopeless, a level I didn't even know was out there. It made the deepest part, the deepest part of my soul weep. By this point, I was barely functioning at all. I had lost the will to do much of anything. I knew that I was letting everyone down. That compounded my depression even more. I wasn't the person that I wanted to be. Through all of this, I had this, I had two things that kept me together. The first one was, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. My mom always told me that um, you need to have a psalm. You need to have a psalm that is your go-to psalm. You need to own it. And I chose Psalm 34. And this verse 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I would say this over and over and over in my head every night because I was awake all night long. And then there was a song. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. That whole song, I would just sing over and over in my head. Now, I spent hours on my knees early on in this process. I spent hours in my Bible trying to find scripture to pull me out of this. But that was no longer a part of my day this deep into my journey. My Bible that had been open all the time, now it was closed. Those hours in the dead of night when sleep was beyond me, I couldn't even pray. But this scripture, Psalm 34, 4, and this song, there is something about that name, were my mantra over and over 
and over in my head. It was all I had to give God in the midst of this empty darkness. I no longer controlled my thoughts. My thoughts controlled me. I simply could not get out of my own head. I was physically exhausted, mentally spent, and spiritually lost. Would I ever find hope or peace again? I was separated from God, and I couldn't find him in the pain. But now that the season is over, I can assure you he was walking right beside me every step of the way, carrying me way more often than I realized. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9 says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with God to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Wow. One of the things I love about this scripture is that we don't know what Paul's thorn was. For the longest time, I thought his thorn was a physical pain. But after I researched it, I realized it could be physical or it could be mental or fit or spiritual. That makes it so relatable for us. Since we don't know what his thorn was, we can imagine he was facing a challenge similar to, to whatever our challenge is. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults. And that is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Paul was in pain, but even in the pain, he let his joy of the Savior flow over him throughout his time in prison. He learned to find a blessing in his thorn. As I look back, I saw all of those tiny little slivers of light that God was offering me in those weeks. It may have taken me a little bit longer than Paul, but today I can tell you that God was carrying me the entire time that I was lost. His mercy, his grace were there all along. I couldn't see it through the fog of misery in my head. He carried me into the doctor's office within two hours of my phone call every single time I called. Can you imagine? That rarely happens once, let alone three times. There was a wonderful doctor there, a doctor who showed me God's love when I was sobbing in her office that I am a woman of faith. I should be able to overcome this. She took my hands in hers and looked straight in my eyes and she said, this is not a crisis of faith. This is something that is wrong in your brain. Do you take medication for a headache? Do you take antibiotics when you have strep throat? This is a prescription to make your brain better. Never thought of it like that. I thought I could do this by myself. Of course I can't do this by myself. God needed to help me and this 
was a way that he was choosing to help me. He was in that hotel room, which was really small and really dark, which I don't like in the best of times. But he was holding me to keep me from fleeing in fear. He was there as my husband held my hand and made sure that I ate when I couldn't eat anything and kept telling me we will do what it takes to get you back. And I saw him carry me so many times throughout this journey, throughout this season. But the final time he carried me that I didn't find out for weeks until after I was back to myself and better. I was cleaning out my office and I found my mom's old hymnal. And I noticed that some of the hymns were flagged. And I sat down because whenever I find something of my mom's, it's just, it feels good to, to look into it and dive, dive into it a little bit. And the first flag song that I opened it to was called there's something about that name. Now, I sang this, this song in my head every night for 10 weeks, trying to feel God's presence. The funny thing is, I sang this song in my head, but I didn't know where it came from. I don't ever remember singing that song in my lifetime. In fact, I thought I made it up. <laughs> and after the fact, I thought, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should tell someone about this. Maybe it could become famous. <laughs> Oh, there he was. But here this song was, this song that was my only, Psalm 34, 4, and this song were the only tenuous threads that I had holding me together in the dark of night when I didn't know how I was going to make it to morning, night after night after night. Here in my mom's favorite hem hymnal that was flagged with well-worn markers, was there's something about that name. I didn't get all the words completely right, but it was close enough. It was pretty darn close, actually. So while I was desperately trying to feel God's presence, he was carrying me with a song from my mother that most likely she sang to me when I was a baby. The separation that I felt from God it didn't come from him. He continued to, sh to love me like he always loves me. All throughout this process, you saw the ways that he carried me. I had friends who I like to say I borrowed hope from because I didn't have any hope. But my husband, I borrowed hope from my husband and I borrowed hope from my friends who showed nothing but compassion and love. My pastor was so supportive he was connecting with me and making sure I was okay. And I can't say enough how amazing my husband was who simply chose to walk me through this journey, helping me stand up on the times that I couldn't stand up by myself. I know that everyone doesn't have 10 weeks in their time of darkness. I know there are people that this is a constant battle for them. And you think you should just be able to get over it. And even with medication and counseling and all the things, it's never completely gone. And my heart goes out to you because it is a difficult journey. And it has taught me this walk 
that I never dreamed I would take. And when I say I never dreamed I would take it, it wasn't even on the radar. Like it wasn't even something I thought could happen to me or touch me because I like to be happy and, and I just didn't understand how it all worked. But God blessed me with this opportunity so that I would have empathy for people who go through this so that I could hold their hand in their time of need so that I could be the one to text and say, how are you doing today? Do you need to talk? And that is a beautiful gift that I was given and I want to give it to others. This season for me was mental wellness, but it was also spiritual wellness. You see, I've had a dream of writing since I was 12 years old. And although in all those times I've done some writing, it was just an occasional devotion or articles. There was never an end goal. I always would say, I'll get to the real writing someday. I could feel God gently prodding me to start this ministry, but I still had a million reasons why it had to wait a bit longer. And then the day came when I decided to make a concerted effort to write daily. I bought a computer, I was doing research, studying my craft, and I was building a website. My someday had come. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's from Ephesians 6:11. I don't think that it's a coincidence when I finally got serious about this ministry that God had placed on my heart that I also faced anxiety and depression. Satan had watched me gleefully from afar as I found ways to put off the dream. I could just imagine his confident, knowing smile every time I found yet another excuse to put it off. But that day came and I made the commitment to make this goal. The day I became obedient to God in this ministry, I like to think I was intimidating him just a little bit with the action to back up these goals. So now the enemy had to get creative. He had to use all of my weaknesses against me, my tendency to busyness, my ability to think I don't need sleep, I'm above sleep. And that little voice in my head that said, why in the world do you think you could write? First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I wasn't alert at first, but I did get there. When I couldn't feel God's presence, I praised him and I worshiped him anyway. When I felt farthest away from God and I wasn't even reading my Bible, I was still able to quote Psalm 34, 4 over and over and over again at night. I learned to work with my doctor and I took the medication that she prescribed for me. And while I might not have been able to put on the full armor of God at that time, I like to think I was able to put on just enough to get me through that season. Those 10 weeks felt like such a long time. I didn't think they would ever end. In reality, it's really a short time. I know I am, how blessed I am to have finally gotten to the other side. 
And I know that in the scheme of things, it was very, very quick. I know the joy of overcoming that darkness and seeing all of those slivers of light that he offered me along the way. I don't think I'll ever know for sure why all this happened, but I know what came after a closer walk with Jesus, a complete hunger for God's word that is so big, I can't wait to dive into it every single day and an incredible desire to be a support to others that dance with that ugly darkness. I've been blessed with the opportunity to talk to so many others that are currently walking this journey. Before that clinical depression was diagnosed, I would not have had the same empathy and experience to share and encourage and pray them through this difficult season. I was in line at Walmart probably a year or so after I had gotten better. And there was a young man at the checkout and he shared with me how anxious he was when the line had been longer. I was probably six or eight people back. Now, some people might ask why a young man would share his anxiety with a grandma who's at Walmart buying sparkle paint, but I don't. I had a divine appointment with that young man and was given the opening to talk to him about his anxiety God has a plan, and this is just one of the many beautiful things that have come from the ashes of my illness. As I've recovered, I've learned that there were several tangible changes that I needed to make. I learned to put my computer away at 9 p.m. most nights, regardless of what I'm doing, giving my brain a chance to rest before bed. I also got some blue blocker glasses because one of the things they say is a problem is reading like your Nook or Kindle or even your phone at night. And so that blue blocker keeps those um, lights from keeping you from getting sleepy. I have yearly follow-up visits with my doctor just to make sure I'm staying on course. I am. She did recommend counseling for me. I chose not to get it. Um, I'm not opposed to it. I just didn't feel like I needed it because I said to her, I have a great husband, a nice home. We have two jobs that we love, kids, grandkids. What, what am I going to say to a counselor? Maybe someday I'll feel like there's something to say, but today I don't feel like I need it. And I think it's been okay. It was a long and very dark journey for me. I did not love it, (laughs) but I'm over it now several years. There are still things that trigger a fear in me. One of them is if I don't get enough sleep, will I go back to that? If I don't exercise enough, will that darkness come back and get me? But for the most part, I'm over it. I've learned to share my story so that I can help others and we'll continue to do that. I do recommend, if you are dealing with any of this, there are things that you can do. I don't want you to miss those opportunities. If you live near Logan County or in Logan County, you can call Community Health and Wellness Partners. They, that is where I went and they are wonderful. They are all about whole person wellness, physical and mental wellness. They have offices in West Liberty, Bell Fountain, and Indian Lake, and you can call them at 599-1411. Consolidated Care offers 
all kinds of help, then you can reach them at 599-1975. They have a crisis hotline. If you are in crisis, call this hotline. It's 24-7-1-800-224-0422. And like the way Christian counseling is available to you as well, and they do deal with your spiritual the spiritual component of your life, and that is 593-9600. You do not have to suffer alone. And if nothing else, reach out to me. I would be happy to hear your story, to pray with you. As we go on next week, to kind of carry on this topic, we have neurophysicist Michelle Bengston. You guys, I am so excited about this interview because she has 25 years of experience in the mental health field and then 20 years into her her career, she herself was faced with anxiety and clinical depression. She just has a great story. She has two books out. One is Hope Prevails, Insights from a Doctor's Personal Journey Through Depression. And there's a Bible study that goes with that. That is a free Bible study and you can get the link for that. And then Breaking Anxiety's Gripped, How to Reclaim the Peace God Promises. I'm sorry, the free Bible study goes with breaking anxiety. I think the um, Bible study with Hope Prevails is one that you buy. But she was just a joy to talk to. She has overcome a lot there. Every time she is finding success, the enemy is there to knock her down. And in fact, when Hope Prevails, the day Hope Prevails, her first book came out and she had all of these exciting things she was going to do that very day. Her husband was diagnosed with cancer. This was in 2016, I believe. He is still facing that challenge. So you can look forward to her story next week. And I promise you, you will enjoy it. Until then, thank you for listening to the In the Whisper podcast. I'm Nita Wilkinson.